I realize that it is a cliche to say this at this point, but I'm just going to say it. 2020 has been a year and there has been just this tension between trying to get through the year while also trying to focus on our goals, while also trying to deal with all of the things that are happening around us in our culture and our families and just it is a lot. And there's all these well-intentioned, encouraging messages that are kind of preached at us, especially women. Things like you are enough and you can do it. You can pull yourselves up by your bootstraps. And those are well-intentioned, but in the end, it leaves us often feeling overwhelmed and burnt out. My guest today is trying to restructure that narrative. She's trying to put out a counter narrative that really helps women understand how to overcome adversity and live with confidence. Welcome to Business with Purpose. My name is Molly Stillman, and I am the host of this show. And this show is all about bringing you the stories behind the brands, companies, and small businesses that are changing the world. Each week, I interview an entrepreneur, CEO, nonprofit director, community leader, or just an incredible person who is trying to make a positive impact, not only through their personal life, but also with their career. My goal is to show you that no matter what you do for a living, you can make an impact wherever you are. My guest this week is Allie Worthington. Allie is known for her straight talking encouragement and practical tools that help women reach their dreams in business and in life. She's a business coach and she is the co-founder of Called Creatives, where she coaches writers and speakers. She is also the author of The Year of Living Happy, Fierce Faith and Breaking Busy, and her most recent book, Standing Strong, A Woman's Guide to Overcoming Adversity and Living with Confidence. Allie is also a well-known speaker and host of the popular podcast, The Allie Worthington Show. I have been a big, big, big fan of Allie for a long time, and so it was just such an, a treat to have her on the show with me today, and our conversation was absolutely incredible and powerful and so needed for such a time as this. But before I get to my conversation with Allie, I have to ask, are you one of my loyal listeners of the podcast? Or hey, even if you're a new fan, have you ever wanted to sport some business with purpose swag? Guess what? I'm so excited, but you can now get my exclusive Do Something Good with Purpose on Purpose Tea with GoX. The design is incredible, but here's the thing that I love so much about GoX. GoX truly believes in the power of a purchase. They use a simple t-shirt to connect their customers with the apparel makers. GoX customers sustain fair wage jobs that liberate workers from poverty and empower them in their families and communities. They are proud to be a verified member of the Fairtrade Federation, and they are just such an incredible company. I am so excited about this exclusive Business with Purpose podcast, sustainable, eco-friendly tea, so you can shop that and so much more with purpose today at goxapparel.com forward slash Molly Stillman. That's goxapparel.com forward slash Molly Stillman. This episode is also in partnership with The Lemonade Boutique, a women's clothing with a cause store featuring ethically made and fair trade items from over 10 countries. Every item is made by women facing extreme challenges such as trafficking, poverty, and more. Your purchase helps empower women to take life's lemons and make lemonade. You can shop at thelemonadeboutique.com and listeners of the Business with Purpose podcast can save 
15% by using the code PURPOSE15 at checkout. All right, without further ado, on to my conversation with Allie. Allie, I am so excited to welcome you to the show. How are you today, my friend? Hi, I'm thrilled to be here, doing great and just super pumped to get to join you and everyone else on the show. Well, I have been a big fan of yours uh, for quite a few years because, you know, I am what <laughs> like one of the like old timey bloggers from like back before blogging was even yeah. really a thing. And so I remember Blistem like way long ago, <laughs> which just feels like doesn't Blistem feel like another I don't even know century like ago. A- it's like a million years ago, a million years ago, a million years ago. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I remember you from the Blistem days. And yeah. so to kind of see your journey over the years and, and how you have uh, just kind of evolved and changed and, and moved where God has called you is so cool. And now you're coming out with another book, or it just came out, I guess, by the time this airs, uh, Standing Strong, A Woman's Guide to Overcoming Adversity and Living with Confidence. And I ha- I dove right into it, uh, like almost read the entire thing in two days. It's so good. Um, and so, Allie, before we kind of get into all of that, I'm going to have you do what all my guests do, and that's give us the Allie 101. So tell us who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. I live outside of Nashville with my husband and our five sons. They're 12 all the way to 21. And I am an author and a speaker and a business coach and an entrepreneur. How I got to where I am now, the short version is I was a stay-at-home mom to five kids. And I started blogging back in 2007 just for fun. And in 2008, four weeks after my fifth son was born, my husband had been out of work for a year. We ended up um, moving out of our house because our savings ran out. We lost our home to foreclosure. We lived for a summer with my grandfather, and we used to drive every day to McDonald's Playland to let the boys play. And my husband would submit his resume to new jobs, and I would Google, how do you start a business on the internet? And I knew that the next season was me helping him. You know, I wanted to make sure that no matter what happened in the future, if we were in another recession or whatever happened, I wanted to be able to help the family. And I worked my butt off and God blessed it and God opened doors. And before we knew it, we were back. My husband had a job. I had a couple years runway to be able to build a company. And when my company grew big enough, we knew my husband and I knew it was time for one of us to stay focused on the kids because we had so many kids, right? (laughs) And he decided to be a stay-home dad. And I took over the role as the breadwinner and never looked back. I'm, I'm obsessed with what women can do using technology. The, I like to say with God and Google, we're unstoppable because we can learn anything we want to learn. We can build anything we want to build relatively low cost and we don't have to get anyone's permission. And I'm just, I'm obsessed with the fact that women being led by God can change their world and the world around them for the better using technology. That really excites me. I love that perspective. I love that you said with God and Google, we can do anything. Um, I I mean, there's like an entire website where it's like, let me Google that for you. Like you can just... Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. And you have just, you've been through so many different kind of transitions, you know, especially, you know, we kind of mentioned the Blistem. And for, for those mm-hmm. that are like, what is Blistem? Um, it was a, a conference that you had basically started. And that was in, yeah. what year was that? It started the same year I lost everything, 2008, which is crazy. Wow. And went on. And in 2012, I was at a conference in California, a leadership conference. And the Lord said, quit, leave, you're Mm -hmm. done. 
and it took me a year to obey and gave the conference to my co-founders, but they decided not to go on without me kind of at the helm and just stepped out in obedience to figure out what he had for me next. And I mean, we can go into what he had for me next, but long story short, he allowed me to bring it back in 2019, kind of gave me a word and gave other people a word to confirm it to me that it was time to bring it back. And I was so excited to bring it back because it is, it's the heart of everything that I love of women coming together and community and supporting each other and learning and how to grow your business or how to grow your podcast or, you know, how to, how to influence the world for the better through our work. And it was a huge success in November of 2019. I, I threw a big party in my suite afterward and invited people over and then got in the bathtub to kind of thank the Lord for what all he was doing. And out of the blue, he said, don't do this again. <laughs> I was like, what? You let me bring this back. It was, I mean, cause we met, we had six events and then it was gone for a few years. And then I brought it back again. And I told some of some of my friends who were staying in the suite with me and they said, you know what? You're just emotional. You're afraid that the Lord's going to do this to you again. Don't make any decisions. So everyone kept asking, when's Blistem coming back? And we go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Let's wait. But as I prayed into it and prayed into it, I knew that I knew that I knew that it wasn't coming back in 2020. Hmm. And you haven't gotten to the end of the book yet, but you will. And I don't want to give it away, but God knew there was a pandemic coming. I didn't. Yeah. Yeah. God I was going to say, I was like, well, yeah. 2020, you wouldn't have been able to have it anyway. <laughs> no, he, he knew we weren't going to meet. And, and it was that well, God and I have this interesting relationship where he leads me and he tests me and he was very clear when he wants me to stop doing something and make a pivot. And I really wrestled with it because for me as someone who writes books about my life and I podcast and I do all these things and I'm very open with my life for me to be this woman who said, God told me to shut it down. That's what I'm doing. Okay. I'm bringing it back. It's great. And then for me to all of a sudden go, and sorry, it was just one year to me. I had to wrestle with in my, in in my life. And of course in my business, do I want what I want more than what I want, what God wants for me? Mm. And am I willing to feel like a flake short term? And of course, you know, April, May of this year come around, I go, Oh, I see what you're doing there. But I got to be honest, I wrestled for months and I felt, I felt really frustrated that he wasn't going to let me do it again. And I, I, I couldn't wrap my brain around any potential reasons why that was a good idea. Yeah. 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 Now you, you know, your journey from, especially from kind of starting, from starting your, your blog and starting Blistem and, and leaving that. And then you went on to work with Propel Women and Mm -hmm. uh, Christine Kane, and then God, you told you to leave that. And there's been, you know, there's been all these things (laughs) kind of over the world and God, God led you to, to preach. God's led, led you to write. This is a, you know, I didn't become a believer till I was 25 and um, I just turned 35. And I, you know, so in, in 10 years of walking with Christ, one of the things that I really struggled with early on was this whole idea of like listening to God and hearing mm. from God. And and it's funny that I say that because like the whole reason that I even became a Christian because I I heard from God is like is I heard the still small voice of God being like I need you to quit trying to do it yourself and to just lean on me for a second and I went 
okay, like that was basically my conversion story is is I hit rock bottom. I'd tried everything else on my own. And then I went, I think I'm going to give this Jesus thing a try. That's obviously I'm way oversimplifying it. Um, But it's funny that that's kind of how my my walk with Christ started. But then since then, I have constantly wrestled with this idea of hearing from God and listening to God. And I have a lot of conversations with people about that. And they're like, well, how do you know when it's God saying leave? How do you know when it's God saying stop? And I know that you've had to have had those conversations with people over the years too. And so my question, I guess, is is how how has that kind of manifested itself for you? Yeah, it's a great question because so many people will read my story and go, you just the Lord? How does this work? Now I I've been a Christian since I was 16 years old. I never heard from him until I was 30 Mm -hmm. and everybody hears in different ways. And I think sometimes we think we don't hear from him. If we don't hear a, a, you know, a booming voice from the sky, some people do hear audible voices, which would be really cool. I would secretly be like, am I going crazy? Do I need medication? (laughs) (laughs) But the way I hear from him is just this it's a different voice inside me than my own thoughts. And sometimes it is confusing to make out. And sometimes I'll say, I'm not sure if this is God or this is Allie, but time will tell. But other people don't recognize that they hear from the Lord because it doesn't seem to be in the way that they think it should be. Because some people, they just know things. They just have a wisdom. Some people are, are feelers and they feel things, you know, they'll be, they'll just, they'll feel like something's wrong and that will lead them to uncover you know, what they need to learn. Yeah. And then some people as primarily, we all get it, but some people primarily through scripture, they will pray and God will illuminate a scripture and kind of provide magically provide all the context around that scripture to give them the answer that they need. So it's very individual for people. So when we look at it in the way someone else hears or the way someone else knows or feels it we can kind of fall into the comparison trap and think, Mm -hmm. oh, the way we hear from the Lord is different or it's not as good. But what I've learned through the years is God will normally tell me things that I wouldn't tell myself. Yeah. If I am telling myself something amazing, like I'm going to win the lottery, it's probably me, probably (laughs) not God. But also if I am critical and shaming myself, that's me. That's not the Lord. The Mm. Lord never speaks to us um, as a critic. He never shames us. He comes to us in love. He convicts us and he shows us where we can move and where we can change and where we can grow, but it's never a shaming. Now, often I will be sure that I hear that, that it's the Lord when it's something, like I said, that I don't want to hear, but I do put it to the test. I pray over everything and that's scriptural. We want to, we want to pray over any kind of prophetic words or when we think we're hearing from him, but the Lord in the last 10 years has given me some great friendships from women who hear from him as well and will call me up and go, I know this is crazy, but I think God is, wants me to tell you X, Y, and Z. And it's always the exact thing that God and I are wrestling with right now. Yep. Yep. And that to me is amazing and such a blessing. I generally hear from the Lord the loudest when I, when I need to change my path, when I need to pivot, when I'm going in a direction, when he's like, you've been here long enough, it's time to go here. Mm. But that's how I do it. I'm not always right. I wish I was. But I think normally when we start hearing and we recognize that we're hearing and then we make ourselves available to it and we kind of lean into hearing, he becomes louder and louder in our lives. Yeah, that's a really great point. And I love that you kind of talk about how you have, you know, godly friends in your life who will kind of obey when they get that prompting to be like, you know Mm -hmm. what, I need to call my friend Allie and tell her something. 
And I have a friend like that in my life. Actually, I, our our mutual friend Sharon Miller. Um, mm, she's yeah. she's like that person to me in a lot of ways, and has has done that and spoken things over me that I would have never that like maybe there was something ruminating in my head, you know. And she's <laughs> said it out loud, and I was like, "How did you know that mm-hmm. I was thinking about this? This is interesting." And and for me too is just also just sometimes opening up God's word and going into scripture and seeing like what does scripture say about this. And is right. there something that, that God says to me through um, through his letter in the Bible, you know, and um, but that I mean, it like you're right, it takes time. And I, I've, I'm encouraged by the fact that you said that, you know, you've been a Christian since you were 16, but you didn't really start hearing from God until you were 30. And, and you know, and especially like I, I very much understand that, like I have people who listen to this show who aren't Christians. And sometimes maybe this sounds very woo woo and like, <laughs> you know, um, but but it is something that I, I think is really powerful. And and I'm always fascinated to kind of have those conversations with people who have had those moments of feeling like, okay, I really feel like this is God saying something to me about this and and the different ways in which that message is confirmed. And, you know, I just I think it's a really powerful tool that we have and that, that God that God gifts us. And sometimes I don't think we talk about it enough. Oh, yeah, because sometimes it, it feels like if you talk about it, people are going to be like, she's crazy, <laughs> right? <laughs> but I I just, I decided a few years ago, I mean, my, so much of my life is telling stories and telling stories of what's happened. I mean, basically every book I write is what's going on in the last two years of my life mm-hmm. and, and what God's teaching me, what I've been through and the lessons and the applications that other people can have. And if I'm not vulnerable and honest about it, what am I doing? So I had to make peace with the fact that some people were going to think I was crazy and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Now, what was, you know, so you just came out with your latest book, Standing Strong, mm-hmm. and a lot of it, as I can tell from reading it, was written during the pandemic. Um, but yeah. I mean, did where did the idea for this book come from? You know, how did this project kind of come to life? Oh, again, this, this is one of those questions that I'm just going to answer honestly and let the chips fall where they be. With every book, I pray and I ask the Lord, what's the next book about? So with Fierce Faith, it was all about fear. And he said, fear. And I said, great, because I don't have a problem with fear. I thought I'll go into research mode. I'll, <laughs> I'll, you know, go into, I'll fix everything. And then my life fell apart. And then I had to wrestle with fear as I was writing it because you can't write about anything you don't know. And with this book, I prayed and I said, hey, what's, what's the next book about? It's time to start writing. And he reminded me of a prayer that my mom used to pray over me every night. And part of it was that she would pray that I would be a great woman of God, strong in my faith and fearless as I face the future. I I pray that over my sons every night now that they be great men of God. And he said, great woman of God. And I was like, that's dumb. So I stopped thinking about it. And a few months later, I prayed again, like we had never talked. And I was like, hey, God, what's the next book about? And I heard back super quick. I already told you. And I went, darn it. That's a terrible lead for a book. And I had to spend about six months kind of unwrapping what he wanted to say to women. And I had this feeling, and I wasn't sure if it was God or if it was me, that times were going to get difficult, Mm. but that God had this vision for women partnering with him to bring his purposes to the earth, partnering with him in their their households, uh, in their lives, in their community to do great things for him. And sometimes when we say great things, we go, oh, great is something, you know, big and fancy. And it's not that. I mean, a a great thing that you're partnering with God on is maybe 
breaking generational negative habits that have been in your family. And you're saying like, this generation is over and we're going to be healthy, or it's growing a garden or writing a book or starting a business, you know, whatever it is, God cares about it. You know, we all started in the garden of Eden, but it was never supposed to just stay a garden. It was planned to be a city with technology and God planned that we would have airplanes and a cure for polio and Amazon two day prime. And he partners with people to bring these things to life. Mm -hmm. And that the work of our hands, whether we're accountants or teachers or raising children, whatever it is we're doing, it's important and that it matters to God. And that in the next season, women were going to need some really practical encouragement as to how to partner with him and how to move forward. And my story of, of what I went through the past few years, that's kind of just the narrative arc that, that I used to tell stories around and teach around. But the heart of the book is about a women's identity what God wants for women, how to partner with him, how to move past obstacles that hold us back. One of those obstacles, the biggest one being self-doubt and how to gain a real confidence in partnering with him and to move forward with strength. And all that wrapped in the fact that times were going to get hard for women. And like I said, I didn't know what that meant, but I knew something was coming. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and here we are, you know, yeah. by the time, I mean, obviously by the time this airs, but we're recording this and our kids are <laughs> doing virtual school and we're trying, you know, we're both working moms and trying to mm -hmm. coordinate all of the things. And, you know, a, a global pandemic has been hard on, on everybody. And, but I, I did see a really interesting conversation where it was just like, well, where women around the world though, have been hit even harder. Because yeah, women are bearing the brunt of mm -hmm. this. Um, yeah. Some people call this the the she session instead of recession, mm. because especially with with children, um, it is women who are having to quit their jobs to take care of them because they can't work from home. Mm -hmm. It's women who are balancing educating their children and managing working from home. It's it's so much harder for women right now, and I think that it's important for us as women to recognize it to not be shocked. Because if we wake up every day and we're still shocked that things are so hard, it's going to take a lot of emotional energy, but to go, okay, I'm going to be flexible. I don't know what I'm walking into tomorrow or next week or next month, but I know I'm going to partner with God through this and he's going to get me through and he's going to give me the strength that I need to get through this season because there's never been a harder season for women. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think one of the things that I have loved so much about the book is, I mean, by chapter one. <laughs> I mean, I'm on page, well, I'm, on my copy, it's page 11, which is like the beginning of chapter one. And I had highlighted almost the entire first page. And I was like, well, <laughs> I'm going to need a lot of highlighters if this is the rate I'm going at. And um, I just want to read a little excerpt that just really, to me, was like, I was, if I could have given you a standing ovation here in my home, I would have. And it says, God has great plans for every woman, but women of our generation are held down and held back, not only by adversity, but also by crippling self-doubt, beaten down by an inner monologue that says they'll never be enough. They'll be drawn to the message of self-empowerment. This popular yet unbiblical mantra preaches that your success and significance depend exclusively on your own hustle. But this message is missing one crucial part of the equation, Jesus. Without Jesus, success is empty. 
It's based on our own striving and it leaves women feeling like they are lacking, have failed, or just aren't enough to achieve their hopes and dreams. We are left feeling like failures because the whole notion that we are solely responsible for our own success or failure places the burden of success and impact and purpose on us alone, apart from Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Those two paragraphs, I just feel like you so perfectly articulated what I have feel like I have been saying for a couple of years, where I just was like, I am not drawn to the self-empowerment hustle message. And so many people are. And if you're listening and you are, I'm really sorry. I don't want to ruffle any feathers. (laughs) But there was just something that felt so exhausting about it. And I mean, I think like I kind of I alluded to at the beginning, like when I when I got saved, like I had been striving and hustling my rear end off for a long time. And I ended up in a really terrible place. And it wasn't until I finally like just handed it all over to God and was like, I I can't do this. Like this is not sustainable. I'm a broken shell of a human being. And the and it's not like life got easy after I got saved and 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 handed everything over. But I this weight this weight that had been on my shoulders, this emotional, stressful weight that had been on my shoulders for so long was just lifted. And yeah, yeah, go go ahead. ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. (laughs) I think the message that women are getting right now that is so powerful and is so popular is very damaging because as I alluded to in that, in the book, when the, the fruit of this message and the fruit of all the hustle ends up not being good, Mm-hmm. when what they're doing falls apart because they're not leaning on Jesus, the true source of strength and wisdom, they will not blame the faulty message. They will blame themselves. And mm-hmm. that's what makes me angry. Yes. So hundreds of thousands of women read these books and follow these women preaching the gospel of hustle, preaching that you are the hero of your story, that you are all you need. And when they get into a tough spot, when things fall down around them, when their dreams don't pan out, they won't go, oh, that message I bought was a lie from the beginning. They will turn it in on themselves. Yep. And that is what kind of, that's what kept me up at night. That's what made me angry. And I'm an Enneagram seven. I don't get angry often, but that's what made me open up Instagram and go, I'm, I want to spit right now. I'm so mad because it's a sexy message. Mm-hmm. People love it. If they think that they can just do a few things and all of a sudden they're going to be successful like somebody else. But these messages, these people that preach these messages are leading women down a road of destruction because the fruit of those messages mm-hmm. is destruction. Now, I'm a woman that's all about hard work. I mean, I I literally worked my way out of homelessness and bankruptcy to to have a huge company. I am, I believe that God created us to do good work, that he creates us to partner with him, to build things that help people that, that do great things in this world. But there's a difference a subtle difference, but it's a key difference between partnering with him and then feeling like we are the hero of our own story. I mean, I've crossed a hundred finish lines, but God doesn't lace up my shoes for me. I got to lace up my shoes. I got to run, but it's God who directs my steps. Mm. So it's a subtle difference, but it's a difference that can either lead to success in life or like I said, the message, the fruit of that message is destruction. And I think we're beginning to see that the, the cracks in that message already. 
Yeah, I could not agree more. I love the way that you articulated that. It's just the fruit of it is so, so dangerous. And and you're right. And then the blame then gets placed on self. And mm-hmm. whereas when you take the approach of, like you said, of of you lace up your own shoelaces, but but God directs your steps, um, God's never going to fail you. Right. Now, he might lead you down a path you don't want to go. <laughs> Or yeah, he might. I always like to say, it's going to turn out good, but it may hurt a little in the <laughs> yeah, process. Yes. <laughs> yes. Or or there may be times where like you think you're headed one direction and God says no. Mm-hmm. And that's that can be really tough, too. But like he's never going to let you down. He's never going to fail you. And so when you have your hope and your your entire focus is fixed on him, then you have a, pl- a, a soft place to land when things are hard. Right, right. And it just, it does, it breaks my heart, especially during this time of when we're seeing so many people having to quit their jobs or or they're getting laid off or, you know, they're trying to do all, you know, hashtag all the things. <laughs> like it's, you know, it that self-empowerment message looks very, like you said, very sexy in an Instagram post. But there's nothing behind it to give it any any solid foundation. Right. So, you know, obviously, this is a big theme that you talk about throughout the book. And it, and it kind of goes into, you know, a little bit of your story and, and kind of weaving in, um, you know, the biblical message as well. How did you write this book with so many different types of women in mind? Because as I was reading it, I, I felt like the stay at home mom can connect with this. The Fortune 500 corporate America mom can connect with this. The the new empty nester mom can connect with this. The single woman who is not a mom can connect with this. Like you've really uniquely crafted a message that connects with women in all different walks of life. How do you how did you do that? And and what do you think that each woman can kind of walk away with? Hmm. Oh, I'm I'm so happy to hear that. And that was super intentional in my part because this is book number four for me. And uh, one of my good friends is 30. She's single, doesn't have children. And she reached out to me about a year ago and she said, I'm doing, I'm leading a small group at church. Um, Here are some books I'm thinking of doing. Which ones have you read? Which ones do you like? And she said, oh, by the way, I would love to do Fierce Faith, but we're all single and you write to married women. Mm. And I went, Oh, and so with this book, I was really intentional to take every single point, every single perspective and make sure I could put it through the lens of, of whatever season a, a woman is in, in her life, whether mm. she's, you know, cause I've already heard back from college students that love it. And that's, that's one group I didn't know that would resonate with. So whether you're in college or whether you're a grandmother, you know, whatever you're doing, I didn't want to do anything that, that put a boundary between myself and the reader because the message is what matters. And I'm definitely, I'm definitely not writing just to women like me who are married with kids. I think that this is a, it may seem like an oversimplified answer, and this is different for what every woman can get out of it. I've heard from so many people who have read it that they thought God was nudging them in a certain way. They thought God was telling them something, you know, maybe they, maybe they didn't believe it or they didn't want to hear it, or they were wrestling with God over something. And as he, as they read the book, God revealed just new revelation or wisdom or understanding, or they knew that they knew that they knew in their spirit that what God was telling them was being confirmed by the book. Mm. And to me, 
makes me go, I don't, I don't know if I can ever write a book. Cause that's, <laughs> this is it. This I've, I've hit the pinnacle of everything I wanted to do to give women a way to connect with God in a new way. And yeah. so I think whether you're a college student and going through something or married with kids or single or a grandma, God has something for us. And that's kind of, you, you mentioned the first chapter of the book. One of the big themes of the first chapter is God has something for us, whether mm-hmm. we are in one season of life or another. I mean, we get so hooked up with what's our purpose. What if I miss my purpose? I don't know what my purpose is, or I'm, you know, I'm turning 44 this year. And so many women my age go, I think I've missed it. And my answer to that is our purpose is singular. Our purpose in this life is to decide, do we accept God? Do we not? Do we accept Jesus? Do we not? That's it. Everything else, everything else is secondary, but our calling changes in each season. Our calling is different when we're teenagers or in our twenties or thirties or forties or fifties or sixties, but God has something new and exciting for us in each season. So when women tell ourselves the story that, oh, we're not in our twenties anymore, you know, this is what life is about. God doesn't have anything new for me. God's like, are you kidding? I have so much for you. Mm -hmm. You just got to listen to me. You got to pay attention. And our calling changes not only by age and season, but you know, my calling right now in fall of 2020 looks a little different than my calling did in fall of 2019 because of COVID. Yeah. Things are constantly shifting, constantly changing. God is a God of renewal and restarts and he has great plans for us, but we can't take ourselves out of the game before we ever get to play. Mm. Mm, Man, that's good. That is a whole word. That's a whole (laughs) word right there, Allie Burlington. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break from my conversation with Allie to thank the partners of this show. And first up is Simple Switch. Simple Switch is actually not new to the show because I had the founder, Rachel Coyce, on the show back in the spring. And I actually want you to hear from her a little bit about what makes Simple Switch so incredibly unique. Thanks, Molly, for letting me hop on this episode. Yeah, we are an online marketplace for ethical and impactful shopping. So an Amazon alternative, if you're looking for things to be shipped to your door, but in an ethical way that makes a positive social or environmental impact. I seriously believe that we can shift a bunch of the $600 billion spent online towards companies that are values aligned and that are making a difference in the world. So that's what we're doing. And Simple Switch is offering a discount exclusively for our listeners. So you can check out the entire marketplace on simpleswitch.org and get 20% off your first order with the code purchase with purpose at checkout. That's again, that's simpleswitch.org and get 20% off your first order with code purchase with purpose at checkout. And also, did you know that I have an ethical brand directory on my blog? That's actually what Chelsea used to start finding products for her boutique almost four years ago. Now, Amazuma carries over 50 intentionally sourced brands and is the perfect one-stop shop for all of your gift giving and shopping needs. As a thank you to the Still Being Molly community, she is offering 20% off with the code SHOPWITHMOLLY. Be sure to head on over to shopwithmolly.com for all the details. Now back to my conversation with Allie. Maybe it's because I turned 35 this year and I never like I don't get me wrong. I love my 30s. Love them. Would would be in my 30s over my 20s all the live long day. But there have been times where I've felt that voice of the enemy in my head Mm -hmm. going, you said you were going to write a book and that was like four years ago and it it's not out yet. You know what I mean? And so it's too late. And so you can't do it. And I hear all these things that I have felt God calling me to do 
over the years. And there has been that voice in my head what's like, well, you're 35 now. Like, if you were to get pregnant, like, you'd be a geriatric pregnancy kind of, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, I realize I'm, I'm being, you know, silly, but, but really, I mean, there's that, there's, other than being able to run for president now, like, I mean, like, it feels like I've, you know, I've missed my opportunity sometimes. And then I realize, like, no, that's ridiculous. Like, I'm young. 35 is young. 35 is not old. But I know a lot of women that that start to get in their head about stuff where they think, oh, it's too late for me. I can't. Yeah. I mean, this. And really, as we get older, that's that's our prime time. I yeah. mean, I feel like for me, for, for my career, for my work between 50 and 65 is um, that's my prime. Mm. And I feel like in my forties, I'm still gearing up for my prime. And, you know, I do this thing on Instagram every month. I do, uh, we call it women worth following. And I highlight 10 women every month under 40 who are young and coming up. And I've gotten a lot of blowback for that from women going, okay, so I guess if we're over 40, we're just, we're not worthy, you know? And, and my response to everyone is when women are over 40, when we have a, you know, a few years on us, we tend to financially be more secure. We have more experience. We have more connections because as we know in life, your connections, your network, your friendships matter. That's where opportunity comes from, whether it's meeting an agent to get a book deal or getting a speaking engagement. So much of it comes down to who you know. Mm. That's one of the things that we teach and call creatives for women who want to write and speak. So much is relationships. We have to invest in relationships. The longer we've been at it, the more equity we have, whether it's financial equity, relational equity, the more wisdom we have, we tend to be more secure in our own skin. But women who are in their 20s and especially early 30s, you're still figuring it out. You're, um, you don't have the, the decades of building relationships or, you know, building up some financial security because hello, the job market's hard. Yeah. And so I feel like it's really important to remind both the younger women and the older women, every season of life matters. And we want to support every season of life. I, I've heard from so many people going, you know, all of you, you know, writers and speakers, you seem to know each other. How do I break in or whatever industry you're in? And my answer to that is always, we came up through the years together. And so invest in the community that's coming up together now. Mm. And in five years and 10 years, you're going to be the people who people are going, I can't break into that. How do I break into that friendship? You just invest in people through the years. That's something that will help us understand that we're all in it together. I mean, you mentioned your desire to write a book. The reason I started blogging in early 2007 was the end of, I don't know, in 2006, I was walking in a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and I was looking at books and I thought I should write a book one day because it can't be that hard because I was young and dumb. <laughs> and I went back to my house and I had old dial up internet because hello, 2006, January of 2006. And I Googled, how do you get a book deal? And the answer was depressing. It was if you have to be famous, which I wasn't infamous, which luckily I wasn't or well-connected. I wasn't any of those things. Stay home mom living in Rhode Island at the time. And I thought, well, that's, that's terrible. So I kept Googling. And the next answer I found was if you can start a blog and prove to publishers that you have something to say that people are interested in, that's the other way you can get a book deal. So then my next Google search was what's a blog. And I started blogging, kind of fell in, fell in love with it all. And I didn't publish my first book until January of 2016, 10 years to the month from when I first had that idea and did the Google search. But now I'm doing four books in four years. Yeah. So 
I think the, the takeaway from that is the nudge we have in our heart, the dreams that we have in our heart, we can't, sometimes women automatically think that they're being selfish because we have a dream. But I believe if there's a dream that we have in our heart that hasn't gone away, it's because God keeps reminding us he has something for us to do. And it's probably going to take a lot longer than we want it to take, but we're going to live those years anyway. So we might as well go for it and, and do something with the time. But just because it seems hard, just because it seems difficult, just because it takes a long time, it doesn't mean that it's not your dream. It doesn't mean that it's not your calling. It just may mean that the calling is going to come to life in a new season. Mm. Oh, that is so good. Yes, I could not agree more. I That really encourages me. So if that was for no one else, it was for me. So thank you. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, the other part, there was another part in the book that I, I wanted to just quickly kind of talk about because um, you mentioned you're an Enneagram 7. I am an mm-hmm. Enneagram 2. And uh, so your entire chapter, um, chapter five, on when you're afraid of disappointing others uh, speaks to the Enneagram twos. And if you are an Enneagram two, you know that like one of your greatest fears is letting people down like that is. Oh, yeah. I am a recovering people pleaser. I know that. And actually, it's been interesting that COVID has, it's funny, I I read something the other day that was like, COVID has been the hardest on the sixes. Those are the people that like, you know, fear everything um, or like go to worst case scenario and the twos because twos are like, we are the helpers. Like we want to hug Mm -hmm. people and we want to bring meals and we want to do these things that when you're social distancing and you can't, you know, physically be with people in a season, like it's really difficult. And and that has definitely been something that I have felt. And I mean, I'm sure that there's, you could write, you know, why the COVID has been hardest on any of the different personality types. <laughs> um, but I just thought it was really interesting. And yeah. part of it is like, I have missed that connection and, and the ability to go and like physically serve somebody. And part of me, then I start to go into the spiral of like, well, I'm letting everybody down and I'm, everyone is going to hate me because I, it, would, this is ridiculous. This is, I'm speaking my, my, my spiral mental <laughs> thoughts out loud. But in just in general, you're, you know, the chapter you talked about is just how when you have felt God calling you to do something or when you want to pursue a dream, you are afraid of letting people down in your life and um, and how a lot of women struggle with that. And this uh, one little paragraph you wrote said, the fear of disappointing others does something to us, doesn't it? It makes the most confident women second guess themselves. It makes the strongest women play small and shrink back. It makes the wisest of women keep quiet and hold back. What has the fear of disappointing others looked like in your life? Have you said yes to things you don't want to because you're concerned about how you might look to others? Oh, yes. I have definitely said said <laughs> yes to things that I, looking back, oh, I really should not have said yes to that. So in, in your research and in all the work that you've done, what is it, do you think, other than is certainly the Enneagram 2s do this, but just women in general, like we struggle with this. And what do you think that stems from? Well, I think it's an especially difficult problem for Christian women. So those of those of you listening who are Christian women, this will resonate with you. We tend to find boundaries scary because we think we're going to be selfish. We tend to think that disappointing other people is a sin. 
if we are disappointing other people, if they're disappointed in us, if they're hurt, if they're let down, then we have failed. Mm -hmm. And when I was in scripture on this going, okay, well, Jesus was perfect. How did Jesus live? I came to Mark four, where Jesus is Capernaum. He's in Capernaum. He's, you know, healing people. He's raising the dead. He's casting out demons. He's being Jesus. He's having parties. He's doing everything. And all of a sudden he looks at everyone and says, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom to other towns also, because this is why I was sent. I think I got that right. Basically, he looks at everyone after doing all of this miraculous stuff, after staying with them, loving them and says, hey, I got to get on down the road to my calling. And as I was reading it, God kind of revealed to me how disappointed those people were when he left, because it says they tried to keep him from leaving. Mm-hmm. They're people just like us. They're going to be mad at him. They're going to be sad. They're going to cry. They're probably going to try to manipulate him. I would like grab his ankle and he'd have to drag my body down the road because I try. I wanted him to stay, right? He disappointed people. Jesus, we know from scripture, word come to life, s- sitting at the right hand of the father right now, perfect, lived a perfect life, sinless life. He did not sin. He disappointed people. Therefore, disappointing people is not a sin. But we treat it like it is. We treat it like if anybody is disappointed by our behavior, if we let somebody down, if we can't do everything for everyone, it must mean that we're doing something wrong. Therefore, we are bad. Therefore, we must change. But disappointing others is just a natural part of living out our calling in whatever season of life we're in. And once I learned that, it changed how I viewed the necessary aspect of disappointing other people forever. Yeah, that's a really, I had never, yeah, until I read that little part in the book and and the way you articulated it now, like I never thought about that, that Jesus disappointed people, the the Mm -hmm. perfect son of God disappointed people and how sometimes when God calls us to do something or when we are um, really fulfilling what we are meant to do and, and how our role in changing our communities or changing the world, like it's going to ruffle some feathers sometimes, or it's going to disappoint people when they, when you don't meet their expectations. Um, and that can be hard for women to adjust to that. And, yeah. And it doesn't mean that we're selfish. It just right. means that it means that we're investing in what we need to invest in that day. Yep. And we, we can't be superheroes. We can't do it all. We just like when Jesus was on earth, he had limited physical capacity. We have limited physical capacity Mm -hmm. and it's not a flaw in our design. I believe it's by perfect design because it reminds us that we need him and we can't do it all. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That is so good. Well, Allie, before we transition to the get to know you round, Mm -hmm. um, you know, what is sort of just the one takeaway or the one thing that you would tell women to do? maybe today or the rest of the, you know, for the rest, this last sort of quarter of 2020 that would kind of help them really achieve that dream or that vision that they have that they feel maybe they are too afraid to pursue? Mm, That's a great question. I think I would tell women to stop telling God no. Mm. Sometimes we tell him no with our words. More often than not, we tell God no with our actions. He he will lead us in a certain direction. I'll try to get us to learn something or to do something. And we go, oh, I think I just had some bad chicken. I think that's me. I don't think that's the Lord. He will give us a desire for something. And we go, oh, that's selfish. I don't know. Who, who do I think I am? And like I mentioned earlier, we take ourselves out of the game before we ever get a chance to play. And so my advice is 
in this next season, even though things are really difficult right now, they're difficult for everybody that you go all in on your dreams, that God burns every bridge that leads back to you holding yourself back, that you listen to the dreams that he has, that he's planted in your heart. You listen to those dreams that he has for you, no matter how unlikely they seem, how unworthy you feel, how unable you feel, or how impossible they sound because of this crazy world that we're living in, that you have, you develop this attitude of every day, I'm going to partner with God for what he wants. I'm not doing this alone. My abilities, my wisdom, my insight, that is God partnering with me. And I'm not alone in that whatever your kingdom work is, whether that is you know, as in a teacher or an accountant or an entrepreneur, it is important. It's holy. And God is partnering with you to make the world a better place. And it's valuable and to go all in. Mm. Allie, so good. So, so good. Um, for the listeners, I will be sure to, of course, include all of Allie's contact information along with the details on the book, Standing Strong, that you can get it right now wherever books are sold. That sounds like very like, you can get it right now wherever <laughs> books are sold. Uh, sounds very infomercially, but I will have all of the details in the show notes so that you can get it. Go get it today. It's so, 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 so good. Um, okay, Allie, this is one of my favorite parts of the show, and that's where we get to just Ask some fun get to know you questions. And so, Allie, are you ready for the get to know you? I'm ready. All right. Question number one If you were a professional athlete, what would your walk up song be? Like the song that, like, when you're called, if you're a baseball player, you're called up to the plate or the mound. Like, what's that song that is hyping you up? Uh, We did, you know what? We did this for Blissom last year for the keynotes, which was super fun, finding out what everybody's song was. Mine was Glorious from Macklemore, the clean version. Oh, I like it. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like it. That is a good song. That is a good song. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay. What did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Oh, I love that. I went through lots of little phases, but the majority like of, of ever, I wanted to have a million kids and be a stay-at-home mom. When I, when I was in college, I did want to be a zookeeper. I worked as a zookeeper at the Knoxville Zoo <laughs> in Tennessee, and um, but I wasn't good at science, so I couldn't go in that direction. So, And it started my career as a stay-at-home mom instead of a zookeeper. I love that. I love that. <laughs> hey, I mean, I actually have a friend who is a zookeeper. So It's a great gig if yeah. you're good at science. Yeah, I'm not good mm-hmm. at science. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. If you were transported 400 years into the past with no clothes other than like what you're wearing or anything else, how would you prove that you were from the future? Wow. I think I would be kind of like, what's the show? Um, Highlander? Oh, yeah. I only watched the first few episodes because I got bored. Sorry, all you Highlander fans. <laughs> but she didn't try to prove she was from the future because she knew everyone would think she was crazy. I think I'd do the same thing. I think oh. I'd just try to figure out like how to manage because mm. I don't want to be burned at the stake because I'm a witch because I know the future. People are crazy 400 years ago. That is true. That is mm-hmm. an excellent point. That is the I'm best, a practical girl. That is the best point that I think anybody <laughs> has ever said when they answered this question. That is <laughs> amazing. What am I going to tell them? In 2020, Kobe dies. You don't know who Kobe <laughs> <Yeah>. is. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, man. Yeah, we were, man, in January, we were so young and naive. We had no it was idea. So what good. Was that, that was the worst thing that was going to happen yeah, to us. Nope. Oh, man, mm-hmm. Kobe's dying. Oh, man. Nope. That was just the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Well, going into the future in 40 years, what do you think people are going to be nostalgic for? 
Wow. What will people be nostalgic for? I think people will be nostalgic about, well, okay. I'm answering this in, in the middle of COVID. So that's all right. I think people, I, like I think we're going to, I think people will be nostalgic about people working more frontline jobs because mm. in 40 years, just tracking the trends and technology, AI is going to, you know, AI will take over long haul trucking, grocery store checkout, factory work, which could get a whole broader topic of, of how we manage how we manage this flow with different jobs. But I think people will be nostalgic for when like truckers drove across the country and people were working at the checkout and that sort of thing because robotics will take over so much of that. Mm, interesting. Yeah. I used to consult with Intel. I get really nerdy about that. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Um, okay. And then this is my last question that I ask all okay. my guests. And that is, Allie, what does it mean to you to run a business with purpose? Hmm. I think it comes back to the concept of partnering with God. So because he work is important to God. The, one of the first things he did is to give Adam and Eve jobs to mm. say, this is this is what you're going to do. Yeah. And to realize that every person that I help in my business coaching, every person that reads my book, every person who joins called creatives, that membership site for writers and speakers, everyone that listens to my podcast, I'm partnering with God to make their lives better, whether I'm bringing in encouragement or practical solutions or step-by-steps on how to do whatever it is they want to do. I'm part of God's plan for that person. Mm -hmm. And I take that really seriously. Mm -hmm. I love that. Allie, this has been such a joy, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you so much for taking time out of, um, I know all of just, you know, the craziness is as we in the South say is all the stuff that's going on, all everything that's going on right now. Um, that's what we call COVID is just everything that's going on right now. I like um, that. It sounds, it sounds much better than COVID. Yeah, no. Well, I, I saw, I saw actually something the other day that was like in the South, we just refer to this time as everything that's going on right now. And I was like, yep, that's very accurate. So um, truly thank you for, for coming on when I know with everything that's going on right now um, uh, for, for taking time. And it was just, it was a joy to get to know you a little bit better. Oh, well, thanks for having me. This was great. Friend, I would love to know what you loved about this episode or something that you learned in my conversation with Allie. Please let me know on social media. You can find me at Still Being Molly or at Business with Purpose Podcast on Instagram or Facebook. And don't forget to use that hashtag Business with Purpose Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. If you're a first-time listener, welcome. Be sure to visit the archives for past shows featuring incredible entrepreneurs who are literally changing the world with their businesses. And if you're a regular listener of the show, thank you so much for tuning in week in and week out, and thank you for your support. Be sure to head on over to iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Radio Public, Amazon Podcasts, basically wherever you can get a podcast and click that subscribe or follow button. Clicking that button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the show. And while you're there, would you mind taking a moment to leave a review? Leaving a review helps me to know what you're liking and how this show is personally impacting you. This show is produced by the incredible team at Third Wheel Media. Thank you so much for listening and go do something good with purpose on purpose.